I am so excited to be here with you guys today and especially because we are finally talking about singleness. This is something I've really wanted to dive into and I'm so glad that this is kind of our origin episode with my friend Kate Warman. Kate is the host of the Heart of Dating podcast and she also just had the Heart of Dating conference which was incredible. Kate is a Christian single woman in her 30s and so on this episode we are talking about what God teaches in the waiting in the midst of wanting to be married or wanting a spouse and how to enjoy the time that you're given alone. She talks about the expectations that she's had and how damaging that can be for relationships. And she also talks about failed relationships and kind of hoping that those men were going to be the one and trying to wish that into them, but realizing that was not what God had in store for her. Kate is a total light and joy. Her mission is to empower men and women to have the courage to own their stories, to walk in victory, and to find clarity and vision in their lives and relationships. So I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode. I'm sharing some personal stories as well in regards to my dating history. So I just hope no matter what season of life you're in, that you will take so much away from this conversation. Let's jump in. Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how-tos, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay, and today I am here with my friend Kate Warman. Kate, I'm so excited to have you on. <laughs> Lindsay, I'm so excited to, to just sit down girl to girl and have an awesome conversation. I wish we were in real life, Me but I'm going to pretend that we are drinking coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, you guys, Kate just hosted an incredible Heart of Dating conference, which they can still sign up for, right? Yeah. So we actually weren't sure if we were going to continue the ticket sales, but honestly, Lindsay, it just has blown our minds and God is moving. The spirit is just so clearly touching people through this. So we're like, well, gosh, we don't want to close the signups if this content is available for a year. So yeah, they can still sign up at heartofdatingconference.com. I'm so excited. So you had so many amazing. So she had my friend Ash Abercrombie, who's been on the podcast before. Um, If you guys haven't heard her episode, it is so good, but so many incredible people speaking on the topic of dating and just Jesus and life and love. And so check it out. And today we are going to talk about the same. So Kate and I connected (laughs) quite a few years back and I've just loved watching you. I've told you this before, Kate, but I have just loved watching your life and your joy and your ministry because you are a bright light. I love that you're the one speaking on this because this is a hard topic, but it's become your focus. How did you get into the ministry of specifically talking about dating? 
Well, love that question because you asked me five years ago, I would have never said like, yes, I want to start a dating ministry. Yeah. <laughs> no way at all. Um, so I'll give a brief synopsis, but basically, you know, Lindsay, your and I's story are so similar and I loved having you on Heart of Dating to just share your story too. And I was like, oh man, mm. our, our past just align in so many ways. And so just briefly, uh, when I was 16, I flew through all the boyfriends. I had like 16 boyfriends that year. Same. Boyfriends. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, boyfriend. then I was in like a really long-term relationship. Then I jumped out of that and jumped into another one. And then eventually I ended in this other relationship that was two and a half years long. And that one was, ended up being incredibly abusive in every sense of the word abuse. Uh, it was emotionally abusive. It was sexually abusive. It was physically abusive, mentally, just all of the elements. And I never really experienced abuse in that way. And because I needed validation from men, because I thought that it, like my, there was an empty place in my heart where I just felt like I needed men to approve of me, love me, show me that I'm worthy. Mm. It was very easy for me to be stuck in that relationship and just really be warped by the lies and the gaslighting and feeling like it was all my fault and trying to prove myself, trying to convince him to value me, but it just never was going to work because he was, you know, he was manipulative. He was, had narcissistic tendencies. And so I was stuck in that, uh, lived in that for two and a half years, Mm -hmm. lost myself completely. And I won't go into all the journey there, but eventually when I got out of that, I lost so many friends. I had pushed my family away. I had lied to tons of people, kept going back to him. And at that point, people kind of knew what was going on, but I was still going back to him, still thinking there could be hope to make this work. He could be different. And I eventually when I did leave, I was at my lowest of lows. I felt like I couldn't go to anybody, tell them what really was going on. And I basically had to take a long, hard look in the mirror and talk to God. And while I was a Christian this whole time, I lost myself. I really didn't know what my identity was in Christ. I was going to church on Sundays. Heck, I was leading an amazing career. I was living in New York at the time, leading an amazing career. But behind the scenes, I was broken. I looked at myself in the mirror. I hated every part of myself. I blamed myself. And something I realized really hard was, you know, I realized I didn't know who Kate was because so much of my identity was 10 years of being in relationships and needing that to define myself. And so when you took all that away, who really was I, you know, who was I when a guy wasn't dating me, taking me on dates, validating my worth and value, affirming me. And so it was a long process of healing, very, very long, hard process of trying to get myself out of that and rebuild brick by brick my identity. Mm-hmm. And so I was single for a few years, uh, about three years. And eventually when I felt ready enough, we're never perfectly ready, just want to say that. But when I felt ready enough, I was like, I'm ready to date. But I want to do it differently. So I went on a journey of seeking out like every resource I could find Lindsay on Christian dating, you know, so every podcast, every sermon, every book, all the things like I was like, give me all of it. Now I am an Enneagram three. So you could say I'm an (laughs) overachiever, (laughs) right? (laughs) But I was like, I want to find every resource. I want to do this differently. And what I found in that process was 
there were good resources, but there weren't a lot of resources. Mm. <laughs> and so I was like, how am I supposed to do this? How, what am I doing as a Christian dating? You know? Well, I love and, that you even yeah. went for that though. Like that you yeah. even cared enough. Cause that's just wisdom is to seek out people who have gone before you and who mm. have something to pour down rather than just being like, all right, let's try this again. And then getting stuck in the same cycle that you were in before. So that's right. so wise. Well, thank you. And I'm not going to say the whole journey from there on out was like easy breeze. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I totally got my heart broken, yeah. all the things. But it, that's, you know, eventually what led me to starting The Heart of Dating. I never thought I would tell my story, never thought I'd be sharing about dating. I, for so long, was embarrassed by my past and was shameful about it. And then I started having people trickle in these little things in my mind. They were like, hey, Kate, I think your story is amazing. I think God might want to use that. And I was like, uh, uh, no, <laughs> like, sorry, but I don't want to talk happening. about how I had all these failed relationships. No. Yes. <laughs> and, but God really was working up the courage within me. And really it brought me to a place of such healing. And there was so much beauty to the fact that I'd been through all of that, but could go to the depths of my despair and have really have God bring me back to life, mm -hmm. you know? And so when it was on my heart to start a podcast on, I at first was like, God, what is it going to be about? And then he kept revealing to me. I just kept feeling it's going to be on dating. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> I don't, no way. Like that is so vulnerable. No yeah. way. But I felt God so clearly say like, if not you, who mm, I have good. healed you for this. Like I will walk you through every step of this and you don't have to have it all together to be able to talk about this subject. So that's what birthed the heart of dating. I honestly did it. Lindsay as an act of obedience and never imagined that it would turn into what it is today. Yeah. So there's my long spiel of kind of my whole dating journey. <laughs> well, I really love that you share that. And I, I want to go back to something you said, Kate, because mm -hmm. I think it's really important. I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but you said you lost a lot of people because you kept going back to this guy. And I mm -hmm. think I found, and this is not always the case, of course, but oftentimes when I was with someone unhealthy and I felt shame about having to tell the people that I loved that I was with them, or I felt mm -hmm. embarrassed, or I felt like, oh, they just don't get it. You know, most of yeah. the time, those people who know your character, know your life, truly want the best for you. And it's kind of crazy how I've done it multiple times. When you get into a relationship, you're so blinded by the what oh, ifs yeah. and the possibilities that you mm -hmm. really lose sight of kind of like you're saying yourself because you're morphing into this person that this other person wants you to be. Whereas yeah. all of the people who have lived life alongside you for so long are like, wait, we know you, we know Kate, we know Lindsay, we love you. What are yeah. you doing? And then when yeah. we begin pushing out that circle, I think that is literally the first red flag of mm. why am I getting rid of the people who I love and I know love me and then getting for me, I was like angry that they would put their two cents in and give their input, but they see me broken and crushed and devastated constantly and they're like, let us love you. Let us help you. And so yeah. would you agree? Like, do you think that's a red flag in a relationship? Oftentimes. Oh, 
A hundred percent. I am definitely the classic, like get into a relationship, fall into pure infatuation, like almost isolate myself, want to spend all the time with that person. I'm yeah. a romantic at heart and that is how I used to do it, you know? Yeah. And so, but it is so unhealthy to do that because you should never live relationships in a silo. You should never be in a silo regardless. We God called us to live in community. That is why he made Eve part of why he made Eve so that man would not be alone. We need to have other people around us. And you think about our relationship with God. It is a relationship. God wants us to be communing with him. So similarly, as God wants a relationship with us, he wants us to have relationship with other people. Otherwise we'd all just live on our own individual islands and just serve and praise God (laughs) all day long. Right? Like that's, I mean, God would just be like, all right, I'm just going to create all these little islands and just have people worshiping me all the time. So lonely. I would die. I know. (laughs) And so you know, in relationship, it's so important to have wise voices, but I want to say this carefully in that you have to choose your wise voices carefully because another mistake I made was I used to just be this full on open book and I would let everybody into all the details of my entire life. Mm -hmm. So I would, you know, we'd be at girls night and I would, there'd be people there, like maybe 15 people. Right. And I would tell everybody everything. Now, granted, some of those people weren't even my close girlfriends, yes. <laughs> you know? And so there's another element to that too, that be discerning on who you share things with, but definitely share things with somebody and, and more than just somebody, some people. So I think it's absolutely important. We have to do life in community and at the same time balance that you don't have to tell every single detail of your entire life to every person on the planet. (laughs) Truth. Oh my gosh. I could have a whole podcast episode on this. Maybe I'll write that down as a note (laughs) because I am very similar and it bit me, Kate. Like it was, Mm -hmm. I had girls coming over who I hardly knew or spent a lot of time with criticizing my actions and feeling like they had access to my life because I had spilled my guts to so many people. Yeah. And so I think we have responsibility on two sides, like a know your boundaries. If someone's trying to speak into your life that doesn't have permission, then put up a boundary there. You know, thank you so much for your words. Um, I really appreciate it. But you know, I think Uh, I I don't feel comfortable continuing to talk about this Mm -hmm. with you specifically. And we just have to be real about that. Boundaries are uncomfortable, but they have to be set. And at the same time, you know, be discerning on who you share with, because if someone's giving you advice, sometimes it's because you're spilling your whole guts out. So they think like, well, they're <laughs> I being have so freedom. vulnerable. So totally. yeah. <laughs> so just be discerning. And to be honest, Lindsay, what I've realized in my story going along with the whole validation affirmation is sometimes I would share things with people that I didn't really know because I just wanted validation from them. I didn't want to hear what they thought about it. I yeah. just wanted them to hear me and be like, oh, wow. And, you know, I just, again, another form of other people validating you. That's really yeah. what I wanted. Instead <laughs> of seeking out Jesus for that work yeah. and that identity 100%. and foundation. Yeah, that's so yes. good. I think I always say on the podcast that boundaries aren't created to keep people away, but it's they're mm-hmm. created to love people better. Because when we don't have them, we spread ourselves too thin or we come into those situations like I did with the confrontation with someone I'm like whoa I this is on me like I totally opened that door for you to speak into something and so I need to love you and all of my people better by creating these boundaries of of just relationship so yeah 
And at the same time, just last thing is like, you also need to make sure that you actually are giving permission to some people as well. You know, it goes both ways. So if you're like, well, I'm a really private person. I don't need to share anything. I don't want to share. You have to make sure you're having a certain amount of people that do have permission to speak into your life. My happy number is somewhere between six to eight people, very, very core people in your life. I call it my life board of advisors. And (laughs) I just like, they're my people. They're going to give me the real deal. They know my story. They know my downfalls. They know what I'm working through and, and they know what I've missed in the past. And those are the people that... I have given permission that, hey, if you see anything awry, you have permission to call me out. Mm -hmm. You do. And that's how I think we live in true discipleship with one another. We have to be iron sharpening iron. So don't share everything with everybody, but make sure you are giving permission to some people in your life. And this is so important in the dating process. I venture to say one of the most important parts of the dating process. I agree. Because I think those people hold up a mirror for us. Like if when we allow them to, because otherwise if we shut them all out, then we lose everybody. And then it's kind of the question of why have I lost all these people? Well, probably because of my behavior. And so if they're, if we give them permission to hold up a mirror while also having those friends encourage and admonish and point us to Jesus, like what a blessing that is to our relationship and our future marriage to have like Jesse and I, for us as a married couple, the people that have spoken the most truth into our lives are our close people. Like we have counselors, we talk to people individually. And as a couple, we're just all about that but also just conversations with the people who started with us from the dating process and on, they know our story and they have like, they've helped us to get through some of the hardest stuff. So I digress. Mm -hmm. That was a really great point to make though. I'm really glad that we touched on that. (laughs) Um, But I think one thing that I really, really want to touch on today is a common misconception amongst Christians about the Mm -hmm. deadline for getting married young and basically stopping our lives until all of that happens. And I mean stopping our lives because I think it's like, okay, Lord, on my clock, like, let's see, say I get engaged at 23, then I'll get married at 24, then we'll have babies at 27. And so up until that point, it's like, that's (laughs) all you're waiting on, right? And that's just what your focus can be as a Christian. I did it, but I was really young. And so I just want to ask you, did you struggle with this? Did you struggle with timelines, with waiting? And can you share a little bit about your battles with singleness? Yeah, absolutely. So something I see, and this is I ironically a little bit of kind of a church phenomenon, a Christian church phenomenon, because I actually don't see it quite as much outside the Christian church, nope. but I do think we have <laughs> incredible amounts of influence yeah. to get married uh, young and get married because marriage is like God's greatest gift. Now, marriage is an amazing gift, but we we almost put it on a pedestal, like get married because being married is going to make you even better. And I think that there's truth to like, hey, we get sharpened and refined a lot in marriage, but it doesn't mean that we are less valuable in our singleness. And what happens is that this is perpetuated because later into our 20s, into our 30s, as I am, you know, we have 
people who are single. I mean, the majority of church of church today is pretty much single. And the average age for people getting married is about 29, 29 and a half. And then in cities, like I live in LA, it's even higher. It's your thirties. And before this, I lived in New York. So same deal. And so we have this message, get married young, like, you know, but then when you're in your twenties and thirties, late twenties, thirties, and even older, then what do you do? What does that mean? Does that mean that like now I'm not valuable? Does that mean that God didn't come through on his promise? Does that mean I'm not actually taken seriously as a church leader if I'm a single person? And I actually have experienced that a lot, you know, trying to find my voice and be very okay and own the fact that I'm a single ministry leader and that's okay. And a woman, Hey, let's just throw that on top of it. It's like extra complicated, right? A quick interruption. If you guys are enjoying this episode as much as I have, would you mind taking a second to scroll down on iTunes from the episode or from the main page of the Living Easy Podcast on iTunes to give a quick rating and review? This helps me to continue getting guests on the Living Easy Podcast and also just blesses me so much to continue moving forward. The Living Easy Podcast has listeners not only in the US, but also in Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, Russia, and even Egypt. And by contributing to this ministry, you're literally changing individual lives. A star rating and some feedback helps to continue the Living Easy podcast to go to the edges of the earth. If you're interested in donating financially to this ministry to continue sharing the gospel, please go to patreon.com backslash living easy. On that page, you have the opportunity to be a part of the friendship thing, the coffee date thing, or the bestie thing. For the coffee date thing, we will have coffee together on a Zoom chat ask and answer questions, and build real-life face-to-face friendships. On the bestie thing, you get everything the coffee date thing has to offer, but you are a faithful friend, and I see you, and I want others to see you too. So we'll do a listener spotlight with one pledger of the bestie thing each month, and the person chosen can record a two-ish minute recording of yourself Or if you prefer, I'll promote your social media account to my 40,000 plus followers, as well as my email subscribers, and I can add a Pinterest pin for you to my Pinterest boards. So this is all just a thank you for what you're doing. If you're able to donate the amount of a cup of coffee each month, it's a huge blessing and contribution to this ministry. Again, that's patreon.com backslash living easy, or you can just click the link in my show notes. Let's get back to our episode. And so we have these misconceptions within the church. And I think that goes into my whole thing with, you know, the church and I don't want to blame pastors. I think they just, they don't know how to serve singles that well. And they're, some of them are, just don't do it. And some of them are trying their best, but struggling, you know, yeah. but we do need more guidance for singles and couples. We need to rip off the bandaid to say that singleness is not a disease. And I almost want like churches to continue to say like, Hey, I'm sorry that we made it for so long that you can't be used as a single or that your life as a single isn't as valuable as your life as a married person. Mm-hmm. And so what I love about singleness is that it's not a disease. I believe that singleness can be a true gift. And I know people are going to be sitting here right now being like eye rolling, like, come on, Kate. But hey, all the singles listening, like I am single alongside of you. And I'm saying this and I'm in my 30s. So I'm not like this perfectly married person for 20 years being like, 
singleness is a gift. I got married when I was 21, you know, (laughs) like it can be a gift. I've learned that. And here are two gifts that we get in the time of singleness. We get the gifts of freedom and of time. (laughs) We have a lot of freedom and we have a lot of time. And so my question to all singles is, first of all, are you willing to change your perspective and see this season as a gift that can glorify God and a gift given by God to us? Marriage is not the only gift that's given to us. I think singleness is a gift he gives us as well. And then secondly, what are you willing to do with your freedom and time right now? Because I think there's an idea that we're going to be better and we can only do things once we have a spouse. For women specifically, I'm only going to do this trip when I have a spouse, or Mm -hmm. I'm only going to start this thing when I have a spouse, or my main goal in life is to just be a wife and a mother. And that's my purpose. And Some of that, like, sure, that's great. You want to be a wife and a mother. That is not your only calling in Mm -hmm. life. Okay. And so if we are just sitting here waiting for that to happen, to be honest, we're wasting the time that uh, this gift of a time that God has given us. If I could go back, holy cow, because I did this. I mean, I was married at 21, but from the age of 19, when I was saved, it was like, oh no, I can't go there because (laughs) literally what if I don't go to this event and what if I don't like meet this person and I just didn't do so many things. And now looking back, I was just reading a friend's post actually. And she said, what I would tell myself in my twenties is Mm -hmm. you'll never have this much freedom again, or you likely won't. So embrace it and use it, enjoy it. Because there is like now for me as a mama, I'm like, man, I wanted to do this trip and I never went. And now it's just a lot more. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, but it's a lot more challenging to happen. And that freedom is so sweet and beautiful. And it, like you're saying, I love that you're saying that, that this in itself is a gift of a season. And like, I just feel Mm -hmm. like that we just, we don't acknowledge that like we should. Well, you know, and let's debunk it. That's all we got to do. Call it out and say, yeah. say it for what it is. We celebrate and glorify things. We celebrate engagements. We celebrate, celebrate baby showers. We celebrate weddings and all of that should be celebrated. But there's a lot of focus on the celebrations being about things revolved around family and marriage. Yeah. And when was the last time you saw a celebration for just a single person doing something epic for the kingdom? You know, True. we don't gather to celebrate that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. We, You know, and so there's these messages that go along in our mind subconsciously like, oh, the thing that is celebrated when I am celebrated is when I finally get that husband Mm -hmm. is when I finally have that baby, you know, and I want to celebrate those things. They're beautiful. But I mean, there's these messages right going on that those are the things we're celebrating. And so I think, though, that collectively married people and singles, we can do our job to still celebrate those beautiful moments and celebrate singles. And so if I can, Lindsay, I have like four main things I want to encourage singles to do in this season. Of course. Yeah, go for it. So how do you best use your singleness and not just be sitting here waiting, twiddling your thumbs, you know, cause I believe waiting on God is less about, I'm not going to do anything and more about just making sure you're not settling. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think waiting on God to deliver something that really will de- glorify the kingdom. So we say waiting on God and I'm like, that's an okay phrase. I'm not against it, but let's not use it as an excuse to like not do amazing things in this season because he wants you to use this season. So the first thing I want to encourage singles to do is 
to just figure out what sets your soul on fire. Uh, Don't just wait for a husband to then say, well, whatever his dreams and passions are, I'm just going to ride on the coattails of that. You know, we can figure out what sets our soul on fire and find purpose right now in our singleness and ways to do that. Just practically asking yourself, what are my passions? What do other people say that I'm good at? why are people friends with me? You know, have you ever asked a friend like, Hey, what, what qualities in me make you want to be friends with me? And you know, maybe they're like, well, you are a great advocate or you love organizing and you love bringing people together. What are your gifts? Why are people around you? What do you have to offer the world? So figuring out what sets your soul on fire. A second thing I would encourage singles is to invest in community. We already touched on this, Lindsay, but this is the time to invest in your community, get that incredible board of advisors and people around you that know you Mm -hmm. that can speak into your life. Do that now because it's going to be, you need those people when you're dating. You really do throughout your life. Uh, We already touched on it, so I won't go more into that one. But the third one is to prioritize the discipline of rest. (laughs) And I say this so, I think it's for anybody in any stage of life, but John Mark Comer came out with the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he says this, and I now repeat it over and over, but who are you becoming by the things you're doing? Mm. Um, And I challenge singles like, hey, this is the time that you want to become the person that the that the person you're going to end up with wants to be with, right? Like, who are you becoming? And this life isn't just about doing. I know I said, figure out what sets your soul on fire, but it's also about resting in God and really creating disciplines in our singleness that will eventually define the next season of our life. And this is the time to figure out who are we becoming? How are we resting in God? How are we truly uh, cultivating fruits of the spirit in our life? And I believe so much of that just comes with resting in his presence, silence, solitude, stillness, using this time. Hey, freedom and time and singleness. Let's do it right now. So the third one is rest. And then the fourth one is just plain and simple. Figure out who you are, (laughs) you know, be able to communicate. Hey, what is my love language? Maybe what is my Enneagram type or Myers-Briggs type? Like what are the unique quirks about me? Uh, Healing some of the things from my past, knowing why I am the way I am. Trust me, relationships bring a lot of that out, but I think it's so important to dive into that right now. And as you date, to continue to dive into it because Lindsay, we've talked about this. A lot of stuff gets revealed when you're dating. It it really does. does. Well, and then like we've said before, it's magnified in marriage. And so there are those things that to have that time, like you're saying, figuring out who you are, practicing rest, practicing obedience, practicing boundaries, those things like that health in you will flow Mm -hmm. over into a health in a relationship if that's what God has in store for you. So I fully agree. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just, I would say those four things uh, and we can continue. And when I say those four things, like I'm a single person excited about this right now. You know, I'm like, hey, y'all, this can actually be really amazing. And you're in your 30s, right, Kate? Right, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, this is fun. I mean, I still have the desire for marriage, but these things are amazing. I love it. Good for you. That's awesome. And that's like, I just pray that that brings so many girls freedom today as they Mm -hmm. listen to this episode, because it is something where 
there's this, it's a stigma, you know, and there's that pressure that is put on mostly by the Christian church, which I love that this conversation is being had and we're making it aware that this doesn't have to be the norm where, you know, my pastors, when I was 19, were trying to set me up for marriage. And basically like I was kind of disciplined for going to lunch with a guy I wasn't interested in because I needed to be um, focused on getting married. And I was like, man, that's just a kind of a very messy culture. Oh, that is not okay. And oh, man. when I was 16, I had a boyfriend, quote unquote, and we had to basically sign. They, we were encouraged to sign this whole document mm-hmm. that said that if we date, it is because we are working towards getting married. <laughs> and I, I go to culture. marriage counseling. I was like, what? That's I'm wild. 16. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've, I've had conversations with some people. I've had a lot of conversations from people with people who are healing from things like that, like the purity yes. culture focus. I so, kiss dating goodbye. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for speaking <laughs> on all of that. So how have you fought Kate to keep your desire for marriage in proper perspective, like with a kingdom mindset has it become an idol for you and how do you like navigate through that idolatry so yes absolutely i would say less getting married and just being with a guy has become an idol and Mm -hmm. so at least for me personally because i've wanted to get married but my first idol before that was just men and i have been notorious for putting men on pedestals (laughs) and i actually had this really heartbreaking, sobering, eye-opening moment a few years ago when I was dating, quote unquote, my new way, (laughs) a better way. And I dated someone who I thought without a doubt I was going to marry. And, you know, I saw this guy, I was totally infatuated with him and we did have a decently healthy relationship and it was supported by community. So there were a lot of things lining up, but He basically told me something. I won't go into all the details. He was like, I don't have peace about the relationship. I don't want to break up, but I'm not sure if I want to move forward. Made me question a lot. And it made me, it kind of ripped the rug out from under me. And then I went through a period of really diving into like, wait, why am I so devastated by this? And the reason why is because I only pictured my life with him. I never considered my life without him. And I put so much of value on this has to work out. Like it absolutely must. This is my person. It's finally healthy. This is going to be it. And I had to wrestle a lot with God of being like, but what if it's not? Mm -hmm. What if, what if God's best desire for me is for this seemingly great relationship to end? And what I realized in this process is, wow, that guy was good good and uh, better than a lot of guys I dated in the past. I was comparing him to a lot of guys I dated in the past and I had to compare him to Jesus. Now, when we do that, you know, we, it's a sobering moment to realize no one is ever going to be to that level. Mm. And I needed to do that because I idolize this man. I put him on a pedestal. I put our relationship working out on a pedestal and I was able to finally, when I broke it down, see that he's a real human being and he's not like, he's not the most amazing person on the planet, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's not just here to sweep me off my feet, take away all my worries, love me and never (laughs) see a flaw in me, like all the things, right? And I realized like, wow, he actually does have flaws and that's healthy for me to see because I want to be able to see all of someone and accept them and not just make them into this perfect picture of what I think they are, right? And, and you know, then I had to deal with the wrestling of eventually that relationship ended. And 
is God still good? Even if seemingly good relationships that you think God's saying this is for you. Cause I thought it, Lindsay, I was like, God is saying this is for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt God saying that, but then it ended. So does that mean that God was lying or that God isn't good? And what I realized is that God saying no, and me still desiring marriage, both can happen at the same time. Mm. And that door closing doesn't mean that God didn't have something good for me. It, it just meant that God is redirecting me to something else. It means that he wants to still work through me, or maybe there were things I was missing about this guy. And so that led me into an even deeper journey. This was right before Heart of Dating of realizing, oh, okay, so maybe the checkpoint is to have continual heart checks on, hey, as I'm dating someone, it's okay to be excited, but is my excitement so much so that if this relationship disappeared tomorrow, mm -hmm. I would be my destroyed would completely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's my checkpoint. It's like, no matter where you're at, yes, be excited. Yes, be hopeful, but also don't let that hope uh, supersede uh, your trust in God and your faith in God and knowing that he is a good God, no matter how this ends up working out. So I don't want to say this is easy because it's not yeah. right. This is like a mental journey that you have to check in with yourself and your core people every day. <laughs> yeah. I, and I just appreciate so much one, your honesty and two, the ability to say with this situation, with singleness, it isn't going to be a smooth ride just because you find somebody. Because I think mm -hmm. a lot of the time we hold on to this false hope that like a godly man is going to meet any and every expectation. And expectations yes. can be so dangerous when entering a relationship, Ooh. especially through singleness. And you and I have kind of talked about this before, yeah. but creating these expectations for what it's going to be like when it's finally arrives. And it can look a whole lot of different ways when these relationships do come up. And some of the women that I've counseled and spoken to struggle with this kind of false hope that maybe the guy calls it off and he's like, I don't know, we'll see what God does, but then they disappear or they're claiming to be Christians and they're treating them really poorly and using God's name is like, well, I'm trying, you know, and I'm a Christian, but they're mm -hmm. abusive verbally, physically. What would you say maybe to those girls who are holding on to a false hope because they want that relationship or because they have this expectation of a timeline that they're supposed to be married? Oh, yeah. So I think, and we talked about this, Lindsay, I think people, usually what I see is we're usually on one of two perspectives or ends of the spectrum. We're either so desperate, worn out, just want it to happen already. Don't love our singleness. Everyone's getting married around us, feeling the weight of pressure from our family, from the church, whoever. I can't tell you how many times my mom has been like, so when am I getting grandbabies? I'm yeah. like, mom, like I need to get married first and like yeah. stop putting that pressure on me. And she's like, well, you're in your thirties. You need to freeze your eggs, like all the things. And I'm like, okay, just leave me alone. <laughs> um, and I get it. There's a lot of pressure from people. Uh, and so we, we maybe succumb to that pressure and we succumb to feeling lonely. And maybe we've been through a lot of heartbreak and feeling really weary, or maybe we've never been asked out at all. and feeling like, well, what's wrong with me? Right. And so if someone does come around when we are feeling that way, we latch onto it. We're yeah. like the first person that's like, 
I go to church and I raise my hand and worship and he gives an eyes at you, you're like, yep, that's is it. Okay. <laughs> He's my I'm husband. Ready. Where do I sign? <laughs> like, sign the let's ring. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah. And the reality is somebody going to church, somebody even worshiping, that doesn't mean they're a true follower of Jesus. That doesn't even mean they're supposed to be right for you. And so we do have to be able to discern what our core qualities are. And that's why I think before we even date, if you are finding yourself in a place of like desperation, I need this to happen, Mm -hmm. then you probably actually shouldn't date at all. And I would highly encourage you. And that's going to feel really hard because it's going to feel like almost like this compulsion. Like I have to, I need it. It's going to happen, you know, but if you are feeling you need it to that point, then you shouldn't be dating because you're going to end up grasping onto something and trying to fill a void that was never meant to be filled by that man. And it will be very destructive for you. I just know it. On the other side, there's people with a really high expectation. And we have, like you said, Lindsay, like this expectation is going to be a specific way. I'm going to meet him in the grocery store. He's going to see me from across the aisle and be looking at lemons. And he's going to come over and be like, hello, would you like to make lemonade out of that lemon together? Like, I mean, something ridiculous. And we're going to, the clouds will part and we will hear the spirit come down and say, this is your person. And, you know, and we're just like, I won't go online because online dating isn't God's way because it needs to happen like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And beyond that, we have expectations that the guy has to pray a certain way, has to lead Bible studies a certain way, has to X, Y, Z things. And that's also destructive. So Honestly, it is about realizing which camp you're in. Are you in the, I have a laundry list of expectations that's like 50 plus, if I'm being real honest, or are you in a, I am desperate to find somebody and I will do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. to make sure it happens. You know, which camp are you living in? (laughs) That's so good. And I think it also like when you're willing to settle like that, when you're willing to say, okay, I'm just going to do it because I want to be married and I want a husband and we'll get these things sorted out. You really have to ask yourself, what am I worshiping? It goes back to the idolatry. Am I worshiping Jesus knowing that he has good for me, knowing that this Mm -hmm. does not feel right and God's not the author of confusion. Granted, it is not going to be perfect. Dating is not going to be perfect. However, if you are aware that this isn't the right thing, don't force it because once you're in marriage, again, it's magnified if you're to get married. It's not going to settle itself. God can sanctify and prune and purify mm. and he's faithful yeah. to do so. But you also have to be aware of like these experiential behaviors, these just how you are raised, what how you respond to different things. Those are important things to focus on. And I want to share briefly, I don't think I've ever mm. shared this on the podcast, but wow. um, my first Christian boyfriend as I had just been saved. And so I had this whole idea of what this was supposed to be like. And he was great. He always called me beautiful. He was always like pandering me and being romantic and all these things. But when he got angry, he would squeeze my arm a little too hard or he'd shove Mm. me as hard as he could. Just like these really micro aggressions that I had never experienced in a relationship before from a non-Christian. And I'm thinking, wait, you love Jesus. This, this can't. And then he would apologize. You know, the whole story he'd apologize. I'd forgive him. The problem was that it continued getting worse. It started turning into verbal abuse where things were coming out of his mouth that I just had never heard a man say to me, like really, really rough and unkind and condescending. And the church would say, Mm. and not to fault the church because we look to Jesus, not the church, but 
it's just an awareness that needs to ha- be had. I oh, think yeah. mm-hmm. um, the church would say, okay, so if he hadn't shoved you, if he hadn't called you what he called you, if he hadn't cheated on you, would you forgive him? Because like Jesus is about forgiveness. And I was like, Ooh. Oh, okay. I was confused. Like I was wow. 19 years old. Oh, We're looking at rings and he's doing these things. He's, it just got really bad. And wow. I'm getting calls from people who I highly respect and admire saying, but what if, like, what if none of these things happen? Can't you look past it? He wants Ooh. to marry you. And I clung on because I thought I was being ungodly if I didn't. And so I just want to say, like, look at the red flags. Make sure you're looking at those red flags. And even if he hadn't shoved me or grabbed me, all of the other things were more than enough for me to walk away because I know my worth. I know my foundation in Jesus. And I should not have stuck around. And I just would say, like, kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning, Kate, there are those people you really respect, but you also have to listen to what God is telling you, like above all else, Jesus, what, what do you say in your Bible about Mm. how a man should love a woman, how a woman should love a man? He should love us like Christ loves the church. And so not perfectly, but he should strive for that. And so I got out of that with a prayer of like, Lord, make this clear as day so that nobody can excuse anything and he did. God was so, that was like the clearest answered prayer mm-hmm. I've ever had in my life. And the next day it was done. And so for me, like, I just, I want to share that because I felt like I almost married this guy. Don't settle because you're worshiping the idea of marriage and don't excuse behaviors that are not lined up with scripture. If there's not some sort of accountability, repentance, like real change yeah. either, you know, I just feel yeah. like that's so important. Oh, girl, I mean, what you're saying is, I mean, it breaks my heart. And I'm so sorry you went through that because that's the clear picture of like, hey, marriage is better than anything else. So you need to hold on to this person because you're on the precipice of getting this desire. But it's like you would have could have been married to this person who could have destroyed you from the inside out in a marriage. Like, oh, my gosh, praise God that he set you free of that. And it's it's really true. And I, I love the idea of believing the best in someone. Mm. But I think sometimes Christians become really codependent people because we are invested so much in somebody changing and us helping them change. And only that person can work it out with God. Only God has the power to change that person's heart. Yes. And we we invest so much of ourselves in like, oh, the potential. Oh, but they can. Oh, but I'm going to walk through them. And sometimes we got to just let people go. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Amen. I mean, this is in friendships and definitely in relationships. Uh, and it becomes a toxic form of codependency when we are standing by somebody who is not showing mm-hmm. that they will repent or actually make change. Because I do believe someone can have some like orange and red flags, but then notice them and actually work on them with accountability and mentorship. And I would venture to say some guys I've dated have said, I have red flags (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because of my baggage and things. But (laughs) I really, and the reality is great. If you ended it because you thought there was a red flag, I wasn't working on it. I'm glad you did. Okay. Mm. I probably needed to work on stuff. Don't we all have baggage though? I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah. But what is so clear is that like, hey, we can't just believe the best in someone and marry the potential of what they may become if they are not proving that they are actively seeking change and that not only because it's different Lindsay too to let's say that guy was like I'm going to change I recognize these things and 
saying it is one thing, but then seeing him take action through time. That's the other thing. Cause I think sometimes we hear someone be like, okay, I hear you. I'm going to change. Like, I know the Bible says I should change. Okay. But then they don't actually do it. So pay attention to to the person's actions through time. If they actually are taking action on it, or if they're just saying those things to appease you, to keep you warped in. (laughs) Well, and I want to close out. I know we are a little over time, but I, this question is so important to me. So in first Corinthians, Paul says Mm -hmm. that it is good for us not to marry. And Mm -hmm. in that he is saying, it can be a distraction from our relationship with Jesus, which for me, it totally has. And I shared this on your podcast, Heart of Dating Kate, but how with Jesse, like I, I lean on him to be my all in all. And I want him to fill me with that joy. And when I'm depressed, I want him like he's my safe space. And it really can be so distracting from who Jesus is to me that I put Jesse in the place of Jesus. And it's this constant breakdown of working through that struggle. And so it can be distracting. And ideally the goal is we work on our relationship with Jesus together, but those relationships ebb and flow and they change. And so sometimes I think we put that idea of marriage in the position of a relationship with God. And it's possible that you may, that God may not have marriage in the plan for you, that singleness is a plan for some people. And I think we have the tendency to be like, your Prince Charming will come one day, just hang on. But that may not always be God's plan. Maybe singleness is God's plan. How do you counsel women through that? What would you say to someone what do you say when someone is like, man, I'm 50 and I'm still single and it just seems like singleness is God's plan for me? Yeah. And I would take it back to what I said at the beginning too, that if we see marriage as the ultimate gift, then we're missing out on the fact that singleness can also be a gift that God is giving us. I mean, Paul, Jesus, there's multiple examples of people who did, who didn't, were unmarried and did amazing things. And that was God's plan for them. And I think in the church, we have this messaging like, well, if I'm amazing Christian, if I go to church every week, if I run a Bible study, if I do my devotionals every day, if I just be obedient, then God is going to deliver that perfect man. Mm -hmm. And so what happens if he doesn't, right? If, if we, And also if we remain absent, that's another thing. We really highly value the sexual abstinence, which is great. But we're like, okay, I did all the things, God. Why aren't you delivering? Hey, I del- hey I'm doing it. Hey. And we, we actually cherry pick Bible verses such as Psalm 37, 4, which says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. And we come back to, to things like that where we're like, okay, but he's going to give it to me. But like he absolutely is no matter what, a hundred million percent, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm doing all the right things and I'm being obedient and like what? But but the reality is God is not our genie in a bottle. Like yeah. he's not just <laughs> Santa like, Claus. Yeah, exactly. Like here, make your, your wish is my command. He isn't just here to serve us. We were created to serve him. Amen. And, um, so I, I would take it back to like, who is God really? And there's so many stories in the Bible of God, of people having great hope in something that they thought was a message from God. And then it not going to plan. Right. Mm -hmm. And God saying, Hey, and it basically being a message of like, I am still good. I am still good. Even though this didn't go exactly how you thought. And so I think that we need to be able to, to shift our perspective to say, Hey, marriage is a gift. I can still pray for that desire, but am I also praying for the, that desire knowing that even if I don't get it, God is 
enough. My singleness is a gift and I can still love this season. I just don't ever think it works when we like demand things of God yes. <laughs> like that. I, I think that God's sometimes maybe even waiting. If that's you, if you're like, well, God, take away this desire. I mean, you're kind of also saying like, well, give me this desire or don't like, or, yeah. or, you know, like you have to give it to me. Right. Because you, that's your only option. My heart. We're like, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. forcing God's hand. And he's like, Hey, I don't think that desire is bad, but what if he's like, I just want to see you be super content. Mm. <laughs> I want you to be able to serve me and worship me even with the nose. And the more we compare and say, but wait a second, God, like this person, they were not serving God as much and they have a lot of brokenness in their past. And then they found someone, they got married. Like what the heck, Lord, why am I still sitting here? The more we compare, we yeah. say that God's Seals like, Hey, so much joy. that's, there's something I want to do in that. But there's something also that I want to do in you. Do you trust me? Is this good enough for you? Am I good enough for you? And these are the hard moments where people probably want to stop the podcast right now and be like, oh, I hate this. Like, yeah. you know, but I do think, and I got to, I've had to stop myself in realizing that a lot of the times my messaging in the past, even in starting this ministry is like, you definitely got definitely has somebody for everybody. Mm. And I've changed that more recently to say, you know what, what if he doesn't? And is that okay? Yeah. Are you okay? Will you be okay? Will you still survive? Is God enough? And I think it's so much more sweet to get something that we really isn't, that's really in our heart when we are fully submitted to God on whether or not that happens. I think we are so much more grateful for it when it happens that way, personally. Amen. And I, I, I think that if we can get our hearts there, I think we'll be so much more free of the anxieties as Paul is talking about in Corinthians. Like we will be free of anxieties. The anxiety is right now I need a husband, right? So yeah. let's be free of that and let's enjoy this life and really press into God and pray through that. Every moment you feel lonely, you feel like, but I really want this press into God further. May that be like your prayers even deeper because uh, he hears those cries. He's still with you walking through the things that are frustrating to you. But I think that there can be so much freedom and just beauty and contentment when we can get to that place. So good. I wish I had this conversation when I was single <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> it would have changed the game for me. Um, oh, but yeah, just thanks, Kate. Thanks for pointing our girls to truth and just having mm -hmm. the willingness to speak out on something that... I love that we kind of went to the church culture part because I wasn't planning on that, yeah. but I, yeah, it's a very real thing. And I'm, I'm thankful that we were able to have that conversation with honesty and candidness. So all of my listeners, you guys, I know you'll love Kate. Let's just celebrate her and all that she is. You can follow along with her on her Instagram, Kateness, K-A-I-T-N-E-S-S, -S, and I'll link it in the show notes. And then also on Instagram at heart of dating and then on her podcast, the heart of dating podcast. It is incredible. She is incredible and you're just a light. So thank you so much, Kate, for coming on. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Love you. Love you. We'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thank you you could ever offer is to share the love. The simple act of taking a quick screenshot of the episode and tagging at Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in this journey. If you're impacted, someone else might be too. So don't hesitate to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. Also, if you haven't already, please do scroll down from this episode to give a star rating and quick review for the podcast. It only takes a minute, but the impact is huge. Thank you all so much for your support. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast and at lindsay.myestis. Love you guys.